Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I'm so happy you're here today spending some time with me and some time with yourself. I can't believe it's December. Uh, We are approaching the new year and I did a post about this recently, but I want to remind those of you who are job seekers that now is not the time to slow down. So if you are actively looking for a role, now is a wonderful, wonderful time to be looking. A lot of budgets are being finalized, roles are available, and a lot of other people are putting aside their job search during the holidays, and so you can more easily stand out uh, among some competition. So I just want to give a little bit of that tidbit of advice in case any of you are in that boat right now. I know many of you are. And I am in the throes right now of our two-week niche workshop. And it was our Nailing Your L&D Niche workshop. First time I'm doing it, it's a two-week extravaganza with five live coaching sessions. And I just received this message this morning that just made my heart grow a million times. And the message said, Sarah, I just watched last night's coaching session. Wow. I love the idea of searching for companies by core values. I've never heard of doing this before. This workshop series is a gift that just keeps on giving. Y'all, this is just breaking the iceberg. This is just in three sessions. People are having major, major, major breakthroughs. And I want to, I'm not officially announcing it, but unofficially announcing that the group coaching program will be coming back in January. Um, It's not open for registration just yet. Um, People who are inside of the two-week workshop series are going to get first dibs at that. However, it will be opening up in the next few weeks, and I'm making some really amazing changes to it, giving you longer access than before. Um, So if you are interested in getting on the wait list for that and to be on the VIP list, to know before everyone else in the, in the general public <laughs> that this is going to be opening up for registration, please email me. Uh, my email is hello at theovernighttrainer.com. Let me know that you want to be put on the VIP list for when we do launch this um, and kick it back off in January. So the way the launch will work is that I will open it up to anyone in the niche uh, series first, and then I will open it up to anyone on my VIP list. After that, it'll go live on the podcast for all of the podcast listeners to register, and whatever spaces are left will be open to the general LinkedIn public after that. So if you want to be one of the first to know about this launching, um, it'll be in the next next uh, two weeks, I think, two, two and a half weeks, please, please, please email me at hello at the overnight trainer.com and get on that VIP list. All right. 
on to today's episode. I know we've had some uh, back-to-back solo episodes. Uh, you've had a, a lot of me to listen to, but I have an amazing guest on today's show. And today we're going to talk all about the power of using voice actors. So I am joined by Dan Hankowitz, who's a voice actor and podcast host of the show, You're Hearing Voices. I was a guest on his show a few weeks ago and uh it's such a fun podcast. Y'all need to listen to it. And it's just really cool to to dive into the, the voice acting world and to learn more about it. So Dan is a trusted voice in the voiceover world. And his core mission, I love this, and I feel like it's aligned with so many of, of your missions as well, but is to provide affordable, amazing voiceovers to fellow freelancers in the video production and e-learning space, as well as to small business owners. So I really hope you enjoy today's episode. Dan is so incredible. His voice, you just will get lost in this incredible voice. You'll know exactly why he's a voice actor. Um, and at the end of the show, give you all that information to be able to connect with Dan. Dan, I am so excited to have you on the Overnight Trainer podcast because I was lucky enough to be a guest on your show a few weeks back. And for some strange reason, you agreed to spend more time with me. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for coming on my podcast. That was a lot of fun getting to know you. And uh, I'm very pleased to be here with your audience. As you know, my audience consists of five people. And my mother is amongst that number. So, I mean, I I assume we're going to reach a few more people here today than uh, we did on my show. Just a handful. And I hope your mother's listening to this episode (laughs) also. So we'll add add her to my my audience also. (laughs) We'll, we'll, We'll get her in the mix. Yeah. All right. So let's start here. I do want to get into the nitty gritty around voice acting and how that plays into learning and development. But before we do that, I'd love to hear more about your journey into becoming a voice actor. How, how did this all come, come to be? Well, at the risk of sounding arrogant, uh, let me just say that I think I'm, I'm a good guest to have on in that I'm kind of in the meaty part of the bell curve. Uh, many voice actors don't do voice acting full-time. They do it as a side hustle. Uh, many voice actors work in home studios. Many voice actors, quite frankly, kind of struggle with getting uh, enough business to sustain it as a full-time profession. And many voice actors want to do that. Uh, so I, I think I check a lot of those boxes in, in that I'm not, you know, uh, a Hollywood celebrity and I'm not, uh, you I'm might, be after, in, this, after this <laughs> might be after this, but to, 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 to your question, uh, it's uh, something that I always wanted to do. I was always aware of it kind of at arm's length in 2016, I took advantage of a program called the voiceover experience in Chicago with a gentleman named Darren Stevens. He's a voice actor and also a coach. And he runs a program out of his home studio in the Ukrainian village of Chicago, very picturesque neighborhood where you go there, you spend three hours with him. He walks you through the process of what it takes to get into the business. You work on mic, he critiques you. And then he tells you everything about what it takes to set up a home studio, how to, how to do a demo, where you, where you go to find clients. And then at the end of it all, uh, in talking to him afterwards, because we have become friends, uh, he's told me that probably about seven out of 10 people say, nah, this isn't for me. But uh, when I got to the end of it, I'm like, man, let's, let's keep going. Pedal to the metal. So that's how I got started. Uh, just full disclosure, like, like I said, I've always kind of wanted to do it. It's always been in the back of my mind. I'm not a youngster. I'll be 48 here in a couple of weeks. So 
I was kind of at a point where if I'm going to do this, now's the time. So that's how I got to where I am. That's amazing. What do you think, what was it about voice acting? So you said there's seven out of 10 people who walk away from it. What, what made you want to stay? Like what, what, what's so special about it? Well, I wanted to see if I could do it. I mean, I had very uh, basic goals. Uh, after I left Darren's studio and I came back to Springfield, I said, well, let me see if I can do it long enough for someone to hire me. Can I get one gig? I mean, they start very granular, start with very basic achievable goals. And uh, let's see where that gig takes me and practice and go through the coaching that Darren had uh, laid out for me and just kind of take it one step at a time. But I kind of made a promise to myself that this is something that I really wanted to do and I'll see it through for a period of time, whether that's a year or whether that's 18 months. And I'll get to the end of that point and I'll look back and I'll say, well, have we established a, a sort of virtual beachhead? Uh, do we have a, you know, a, a body of work that merits continuing uh, in, in, in some measurable way? And I just kind of determined along the way or kind of discovered that it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing it and uh, I wanted to continue. But to the point of the seven out of 10, I think a lot of them drop away because it's a business and it's a, a solopreneur type business. It isn't just getting the gigs, it's setting up the studio, it's finding the clients, it's making sure you've got good audio, it's giving two or three takes to the client to make sure they have something that they like. Um, there's just top to bottom a lot of factors uh, that don't involve speaking into this microphone that scare a lot of people away. And so you have to embrace the whole experience. And uh, I like to think I've done that so far. Yeah, that's how that's how coaching can be too. And it's I think for a lot of people that get into coaching, it's there's more than just the coaching piece. There's doing your own marketing and sales and sending invoices and coding expenses, right? All of those that solopreneur stuff that the less glamorous side of it, right? People people see one thing and one version of it, but then you know, the majority of the time is actually spent building building a business, and that that can be challenging in and of itself, let alone the actual work. Yeah, and you know, Sarah, that's something about voice acting that should be noted, and that that is that it's changed over the past couple of decades. I mentioned home studios, you know, back in the day, and this is before I started in voiceover, and probably when my friend Darren first started in voiceover, you had to go to a studio, you had to get an agent, you had to go to, you know, do your recordings in studios. Uh, it was a very set, very uh, well-worn process. And a lot of that stuff you didn't have to worry about. And so now within the era of the home studio and the era of solopreneurship, all that stuff falls on our shoulders. So, you know, back in the day, yeah, it was just going to the studio, being handed copy, reading the copy and going home and cashing your check. And wow, isn't this nice? Uh, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. So you do a lot of work in, well, you do a lot of work. I, I went to your website. I had a, a fun time listening to all, all of your, <laughs> uh, your, your portfolio on there, but a lot of work in the video production and in the, the e-learning space. So what, what draws you to, to those spaces over other voice acting work? Money. It's all about money. Whoever's willing to pay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm joking. I mean, talk about being an entrepreneur, man, you know? <laughs> You know, Sarah, the bulk of the work in voiceover, and we do have to be practical about the economics of it. I mean, it, it is a business and you have to go where, where, where you're going to get paid. 
Uh, it's not a hobby. Most of the work in voice acting today is falls under the broad umbrella of narration. That includes e-learning. That includes corporate training videos. That includes uh, app narrations. All kinds of things, uh, you know, that fall under that umbrella. And, and there are certain subgenres, but you know, you can have an entire voiceover career without ever appearing in a Ford F-150 commercial or a McDonald's commercial. So in terms of what draws me to those areas, it's just the, the, the practicalities of that's where the work is. And you'll find that in, in a lot of cases, you're working with small businesses, people with limited budgets, you're working with startups, and you know their needs are not terribly intricate, but the this era of the home studio has allowed them to have access to voiceovers where maybe 20, 30 years ago, they would not have been able to afford it. So I, I, I do that because that's where the work is and uh, because I very much enjoy working with those types of clients. Yeah. So let's talk about the, the power of using a voice actor and voice acting, especially in these e-learnings or corporate learning and development, corporate training. Where do you see the value in using a professional voiceover artist like yourself versus self-recording, having the person who's designing the training grab a mic and take it for a whirl? I would say, Sarah, to your listeners, take a piece of copy, take a newspaper, take a book that you're reading, take anything, turn on a microphone, read that, and try to make it sound like you're not reading it. Try to make it sound like these are thoughts that are just occurring to you for the first time. Try to make it sound like you're giving a presentation or a TED talk. These are the things that we are trained in. When you seek professional voiceover coaching, these are the things that you're taught to make the copy come alive, to make the copy sound real. I just got done narrating a e-learning module on ESG issues, corporate governance issues. I know a little bit about that stuff, but I'm by no means an expert. But the people who are listening to this are going to know a heck of a lot more about it than I will. So I have to sound engaged. I have to sound informed. I have to sound like I know what I'm talking about. I have to sound authoritative, yet friendly and accessible. So there's all that wrapped into one. There's a lot of competing uh, pressures and demands that you must balance. Those are the things that voice actors have been taught to navigate. And I mean, uh, just from a pure technical audio standpoint, a voice actor will have the home studio and will have the professional microphone and won't sound crappy and tinny and echoey. So uh, those are just some of the basic benefits of hiring a trained professional voice actor. Yeah, it's so interesting that you said that. And I'm, I'm smiling thinking about in my last organization, well, actually in many organizations where I've trained other trainers. And one of the key pieces of feedback I give over and over and over again is it sounds like you are reading because they are. And so it's, I love that, that assignment you gave people, right? Of re read something and make it sound like you were not reading. We, we all have that ear. We know exactly when some like, well, voiceover actors can help, help you know, debunk that. But for the most part, if they're not trained in it, we can pick up instantly. It sounds like they're reading. It sounds like they're reading. It sounds like they're reading. And it's very, very, very difficult to do that if you're not not trained or haven't practiced for years and years and years to not sound like that. So I think that's a really wonderful exercise to, to do to, to prove the value of having a, a voiceover actor. I think that's really fantastic. 
Yeah, and you know, just last night I was rewatching the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, and it's amazing. It's been ten years since that movie came out, but you know, it, it turns out Brad Pitt, and in that movie, if you haven't seen it, he portrays a baseball general manager who navigates the Oakland A's on their limited budget. And I won't go into the whole details of, of Moneyball, but it turns out Brad Pitt is not a baseball fan, knows very little about it, but he embodied Billy Bean, the character and Billy Bean and the people who know him say, wow, it was kind of freaky. Brad Pitt navigated the mannerisms and the patterns of speech. And there is an acting element to it. I mean, you don't go to the theater to watch Brad Pitt read something or to sound like he's reading something. So uh, there is that acting element. And a lot of voice actors do come from an acting background. I do not. And so that's something that you have to, that's a muscle that must be developed. And that I feel like there's probably a piece of a psychology component too, as far as when you think someone's reading, it doesn't sound as trustworthy as when you feel that this is coming from the heart or coming from a sense of awareness or knowledge feels more compelling to the brain. Absolutely. And, and the primary psychology, the primary psychological component is that you've got to be a little nuts to do this in the first place. I mean, that's just kind of <laughs> foundational, but yeah, uh, there's also the danger of maybe over-interpreting a script, you know, um, there are times where I'll be sitting here in my home studio. And by the way, most of the work that's done is not being live directed. Your, uh, a client will send you copy and it's up to you to be your own director. That's, that's the thing about the home studio era. You're your own director. You're your own sound engineer, mastering and quality control. It all falls, falls upon your shoulders. And I'll sit here and I'll try to think of it from the perspective of the reader or the listener, reader if it's an audio book, listener if it's an audio book or whatever. And I'll listen back to my recording and I'll think, you know, I, I way overcooked that. That is just way too much. I've got to dial that back. And uh, sometimes, many times, when you're trying to achieve a conversational read, less is more. That's a, kind of a universal motto in voice acting. Don't try to do too much. Yeah. So for learning and development departments that have a lower budget, what types of projects would you recommend them using professional voiceover actors for? And what do you, what type of projects do you think they could maybe get away with doing on their own? Have you, have you seen anything in your experience that really sticks out? I don't want to offend the L and D community. I've gone to great lengths on LinkedIn to connect with many of them, yourself included and really get to know them and what makes them tick and what challenges they face. I, my fear is that it's being looked at rather superficially, that all we need is someone with a good voice. All, let's get Joe down the hall from accounting. We got the Blue Yeti hooked up here. We'll get him. He sounds good. Um, that might be fine. But I, I think the common thread, the connecting tissue and all of that whether it's a training program for five people at a small distribution company or whether it's Boeing, what is the listener going to take away from that? Is the, is the voice going to enhance the experience? Is it going to detract from the experience? Is it going to have, is the voice kind of of secondary importance? So I think all these things have to be weighed. I will say that uh, one thing that kind of dismays me I saw not too long ago on LinkedIn, a discussion thread about Speechalo, 
Speechalo, where the tagline is never pay for voice actors ever, ever again. And a not whole, nice. A not whole, nice. <laughs> not nice. A whole lot of people, a whole lot of L&D folks were really, really excited about that. And I think that goes to that mindset that eh, as long as it sounds good, it's probably good enough. And there's way more to it than that. So that's a long-winded way of answering your question. But I think that the common thread, the bottom line is we have to think about the listener and what, what they're going to take away from this. Yeah, I love how you did talk about too, like breaking it down as far as like, what is the importance? You know, what is the message we're getting across here is, is, is what they're hearing? Is that primary? Is it secondary? You know, and I think that that will help LND departments if they do have a limited budget and they can only choose certain projects to really get it professionally, you know, have a, a professional voice actor of, hey, if, if what we need them to hear, that that is the the speaker is the primary source of information here, that's a worthwhile investment, going back to that psychology, right? And if it's you know, small things here or there where someone's popping up and just saying, hello, welcome to this session, you know, maybe for that one, we don't need it as, as much because that's secondary or even tertiary from there. So I, I really lo- love that. And I, I agree. And we talked about this, I think, in your po- podcast about you know, the reality is there's Yes, technology is coming in, but there's a big piece of the of the human element that I think no matter what, it's going to be so difficult for technology to replace. And going back to the brain, like the brain can can sense these. They're all subconscious too. Like consciously, we're not like, oh, is that is that voice actor or is that a is that AI? But I think it's not good enough where we can we we can tell. Like we we the brain knows, and so again what the, and I think I might've talked about this on your show where I struggle with some of that, those pieces of technology is that if someone can tell, which they most likely can, now they're focusing on, is this a real person or is this not a real person versus focusing on what they're trying to learn? <laughs> like that to me is the biggest kind of challenge with, with all that technology is it's, it's not, it's not there yet. And you are now taking away from someone learning and rather they're like, wait, is it, I heard a little, that was a little off or that was here. You know, that sounds like Siri. And so that, that to me, I find is, as you're actually taking away from the learner when they're now sitting there thinking about if this is a real voice or not versus what am I actually trying to learn? Sarah, let me just share a little anecdote with you. This, this happened just this week. Yes. I recorded a I guess it was a video game type thing. I'm not not really sure what the application was, but I was asked to play kind of an evil doctor where I was reading these notes after an autopsy, an evil autopsy or or whatever. And uh, I did my lines and I acted the part beautifully according to the client. They loved it. I kind of dropped down into a lower register and the patient died from XYZ symptoms. And I, I, I kind of did it that way. And I, I always ask the clients, can you send me the final product? Because it might be something I might want to include in my demo. Anyway, they feathered my voice in with the voice of an English actress, like teeing up the questions, name of the individual. I, I can't do a British accent, but name of the patient. And I would say the lines and the condition. So when I listened to this whole thing, I asked the, uh, the fellow that I did the job for, who was this British actress? She's great. She's very talented. He said, Dan, that was an AI voice. <laughs> so, oh, so you didn't uh, even know. <laughs> man, oh, man. But um, yeah, I think you're right. I think, it, you know, the, it, 
let me just back up and say those voices are very good. They're getting, they're getting better all the time. They can fool a whole heck of a lot of people. But, you know, I, would, I, I say this to my fellow voice actors, the day we stop getting revision requests, the day, a client, the day clients stop saying, can you slow this down, slow this part down? Can you sound a little more engaged? Can you drop down? Can you sound a little more sincere? You can't tell Siri to do that. I, I don't uh, know if Speechalo can do that yet, but um, you know, the day that that can be perfected, that's the day we're all out of business. And I think that day is a long time in coming, if ever. So I hope it doesn't. Right, the sense of, of being able to quickly turn, have emotions in your voice. And Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that, that's really, really great. And to your point of the how tailored someone doing it, a, a live human doing it, can tailor it to the word, to the, you know, to the, to the part of the word, the emphasis of the word versus a, an AI technology that again, and, and all of those things make it, that's why humans sound great, right? Because we can do all those things and have those inflections and drop, drop and register and versus AI technology can only do so much. Yeah. And, and, you know, to the point of e-learning and learning and development, my understanding, and I'm not in your industry, so correct me if my, if my ignorance is coming across here, but more and more of the uh, programs are in the style of gamification and scenario-based learning. And so a lot of that stuff requires sort of more character type work. Uh, one of the things that I do, the prime area of work for me is the cowboy voice. I drop down and I put a little twang on it. And that was something I did totally as a lark. And then people started hiring me for that. So uh, there's more and more of that, I think, in your business where maybe you're doing a, uh, a scenario type thing for, for truck drivers or construction workers. Well, they don't want to. I mean, all due respect to, you know, the younger folks out there, they don't want to hear some recent grad, you know, with a hype. They want to hear a guy talking about what it's like to be in a rig. I've been in this rig all day and I'm damn tired. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm starting to feel sleepy and I got two hours left on my log here. You know, so that's the kind of thing that I do. And that I think that kind of authenticity is in demand in e-learning, in video production, in audiobooks, in all genres. You know what? I, I like to think I'm very, very, very in tune with my learners, no matter what, when, where they are. But that is something I don't think I've ever considered before. And I think a lot of people listening to this will just have an aha moment like I did around is the, you know, is the, does the voice resonate with your audience? And that's huge, right? To your point of, you know, and again, not to stereotype for people into buckets, but the reality is people where a lot of learning goes wrong is when they, there's no trust, right? And that trust isn't being built. And they're like, oh, who's this person talking about this, right? Versus when I'm hearing it, it sounds like a friend of mine. It sounds like someone who's, you know, my partner, my partner in, in this business or whatever it may be. It starts again, going back to the authenticity and the realness of it and, and how that I'm sure from a psychological standpoint creates trust and makes them listen more and really creates a sense of, wow, I want to listen to this person and do what they're saying. Well, and, and I think maybe this is where uh, the video production and the ad people and the commercial folks, 
I don't want to say they're maybe out ahead of e-learning, but they've but they've certainly given this a lot of, a lot more thought uh, in terms of that authenticity as opposed to just getting a a dandy sounding voice. I think that yeah, there's. I think- I think it goes back to marketing, right? So yeah. it's like to your you mentioned Ford 150 earlier. Like you're not hearing a Valley Girl voice on a Ford 150 right. commercial ever, right? So and I think learning and development can learn a lot from marketing in regards to really truly knowing your audience, not just what they need to learn, but how they need to learn it, how they need to hear it. So I think this will be something that really is an aha moment for a lot of people who are developing learning that that you could create the best content in the world, but if they're hearing a voice that just totally does not resonate with them, it you're missing out, I think, on a huge piece of the brain that creates that trust, that authenticity. Well, and I would also say, you know, the world is a little different now uh, than it was. Well, <laughs> things are always evolving. I mean, let's just, let's face it, let's be realistic about that. But, you know, when I was in my 20s or when I was younger, I think the younger generations always tend to, kind of roll their eyes at the older generations. But I think we're living in unique times in that younger generations have a genuine distrust for older folks. I mean, you've mucked up the planet. You've screwed up the social security. I mean, there, there are these big societal issues happening that I think that the younger people are saying, what, what's going on? What have you done here? What, what kind of world are you leaving us with? And so I think, you know, from the younger end of the, of the spectrum, uh, there's a great demand for millennial voices, for Gen Z voices. Um, and I think w- one of the things that I struggle with is that I, I can never pull off that voice. No one's going to mistake me for a, for a recent, a recent graduate or no? a, a, I don't think so. Uh, I'm, I, I'm dad or I'm grandpa or whatever, <laughs> but uh, it, it just, it's, it, it spans the, the, the generational spectrum. And I think to the extent that people want a voice like mine, it's, how can we reach those people whose opinions are seemingly solidified, but maybe they're not, you know, maybe there, there is some wiggle room on these things like climate change. And I'm not saying we're trying to change people's political persuasions. That's a bridge way too far, but I think that people have this idea that older folks can't be convinced or they can't change their mind. And I think that, the authenticity of having a voice that sounds like them, sounds like their neighbor, sounds like someone they trust. I'm not going to say it goes all the way in solving the problem, but I think it's a very good first step. Yeah, I think it's a nice, it's helpful along that bridge. And you know, it's it's so interesting that I really love the direction that this conversation has gone in because I do a lot of work around you know the modern learner and. What's interesting is we find out the modern learner isn't a millennial, right? The modern learner isn't the modern learner doesn't doesn't fit within a generation. It spans generations, and so I think in a lot of organizations there's a lot of stereotyping around. Oh, Bob's been in his role for 35 years. He's not going to change. But here, but we don't know that. But has anyone ever talked to Bob the way Bob needs to be talked to, right? And have those conversations. And so I think we. A lot of the work that I that I do, and then the consulting piece of the work is really truly understanding across, not even across generations, but you know, what do these different types of learners look like within the organization? And so, speaking to them, I think we do that we do that relatively well with content and and the like the development of content. But when it comes to producing it, 
I think that's a huge missed opportunity that we're the voices that we are using are not in alignment with, with those people. And so I think that to your point, is it going to solve, you know, world hunger? Probably not. Who knows? We can try, but will it help Bob be better at his role and feel more connected to the organization and not feel that he's being pushed out or replaced? You know, I think, I think it can help. I'm having a lot of revelations right now around like how just using voice actors that align with, with the people who are inside your organization and providing multiple, right. It's not just one voice that people can hear things in different voices and different languages, right. We do a lot of language work. And so, you know, really being able to meet people where they're, where they're at and give them a sense of comfort and that they belong in the organization. I think that's a big piece of, we look at belonging, right? How can people feel like hearing people who sound like them is a big piece of that belonging. Yes. And I, and, you know, again, not, not to dive into the socio-political issues we're having in our culture, but I, I just think that there's a lot of, a lot of that in general inside corporate America and just outside of the office, uh, people not feeling like they're being listened to and uh, not that they're not being understood or that maybe the world is passing them by and they don't understand a lot of these new technologies and just having that voice that, you know, kind of gives them that reassurance, uh, as we say, it may not, not going to solve, not going to solve world world hungers, you've put it, but uh, uh, it's a good first step. Yeah. It sounds like, Hey, if, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Right. It's a, it's a, it almost gives you a, a little bit more belief and yes. going back to that, that trust. So I want to ask you, let's say I've worked for organizations where there's been pretty much no L and D budget. I mean, you're basically, here's a computer, here's a microphone. This is all you have, make it work. So if someone does need to do their own voice recording for an e-learning, what would you say would be the top tip or tips you would have for someone for it to sound as professional as possible. We know it's not going to sound professional like the professionals, but how can we make it sound a little bit better than it does? You're asking me to give tips to put myself out of business. Is that what this is? <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Sarah, I would say this, the people who come, people who are new to voiceover, the biggest problem they have, and this is a technical thing, and it's just what, what is coming to mind here, but they go too fast. They read too fast. You'd be surprised how many people just tear into the text and just go too fast. So the, uh, the very pra- a very practical tip that I would give to somebody who's voicing an e-learning course, who is not a trained voice actor, just slow down. Slowing down just in and of itself is probably going to bring about a 50% improvement. And it's going to allow you to read ahead and anticipate what's coming and tap into the emotion. If you just take that script and go off to the races, you're just, you're going to gloss over so much of that. So I think the act of just reading it, not, you know, at at a tortoise pace, you know, not really slow, but just, you know, you'd be surprised in your mind. You think, wow, that's really slow, but it's, it's not. Conversational speech is about 150 words per minute. And I would venture to guess that most folks who narrate e-learning when they're tapped on the shoulder to do it, the non-professional voice actors, they're probably going a lot faster than that. So I agree. It's a very practical tip, but one I think that would go a long way. I agree. Yeah. For me, I'm a very fast talker in, in general. And it was funny when I first started my podcast, 
the first thing my mom said to me was don't talk too fast. Don't talk too fast. <laughs> and so she'll listen to my show. She is one, my mom is one of my listeners too. And she'll, she'll, she'll message me and say, you did a great job not talking too fast. Well, Thanks, mom. I, I'm glad that's what you got from the, the episode I, that I did not talk too fast. So, but <laughs> it does, it makes a huge difference. And I think the beauty too of, you know, if you're using the right e-learning platform or even podcasting is people then can control how fast they want to listen to it. So if you're, you're speaking at a neutral pace, so we can, should, can call it, uh, if someone does want to listen to it faster, they can speed it up. And if someone needs it to go slower, it can, but that, that, kind of set point pace, slowing it down is, is so crucial. And that was a, a big lesson for me. I would listen back when I was recording some e-learning stuff. I would listen back and I'm like, Whoa, I just flew right through that. No one is going to have, they're going to, again, going back to, they're going to focus more on, wow, she's talking so fast versus wow. What is she saying? Yeah. Slow down. And, and again, I'm giving technical tips here, but you know, in many cases, if you're using a condenser microphone, even if it's a Blue Yeti, even if it's a USB microphone, you don't have to get right on top of it. These are microphones that are, you know, because as Dan Leonard, the home studio master said, you don't talk right up against somebody's ear. You know, you, this is how you're meant to be heard. The old hang 10, six to eight inches away from your microphone. So don't hug the microphone and slow down. That's what I would say. I love it. Now, what if someone wants to get started in voiceover acting? They hear you today and they say, Dan has now inspired me to start a new career. Where do you recommend is the first place they start? Find a reputable coach. Uh, there are, unfortunately, there are some not so reputable folks out there who will take your money and who will rush you into making a demo before you're anywhere near prepared. Seek out people like Darren Stevens uh, in Chicago. I, I'm certainly more than happy to put in a plug for his uh, voiceover experience. It can be done in person or virtually. I work with a coach by the name of Mark Cashman. He's in Los Angeles. Voiceover coaching is not cheap and it's an investment, but you have to work with somebody who knows how to teach and who knows how to impart wisdom and can take what you have and mold it and shape it and tell you when you're ready to make a demo and tell, your, tell you when you're ready to go out there and not embarrass yourself. So, you know, for people who think it's just, well, you're just talking into a microphone, how hard can that be? Those are the people that fall by the wayside, the people who really embrace it, who seek out the coaching, who seek out the training. When I don't have gigs, when things are a little slow, I'll come down here and I'll just start improvising stuff. And I've gotten work off demo cuts that I've just improvised myself. So you really got to have that passion for always wanting to improve and always wanting to push the boundaries of it. But again, going back to that realization that it's a business and there are many, many parts to it. Um, and you have to explore them all. And at least if, if you want to be really good at the voice acting, then you at least have to be mildly proficient at the other things that you don't like so much. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think too, like there's also a, a cost investment in the microphone and, and all the, the equipment that you need in order to do it successfully from home, I'm assuming. Yes, I missed that part. I, thank you. I, the home studio is a big, big part of it. You have to have good audio. If you have bad audio, you'll be blown out of the water. I don't care how much talent you have. You can be Bob Bergen, the voice of, is it Porky Pig? I, I forget. Boy, I'm going to get roasted for this. But <laughs> Google Bob Bergen. He's famous for something. But anyway, 
let me just describe for you briefly my studio. This is a yeah. six by six foot PVC pipe frame that I glued together. And from this frame, I have adorned, I have hung producer's choice acoustic blankets. These are thick blankets. They're not cheap. And I also have Owens Corning 703 fiberglass panel. As you've been able to deduce by now at this point in the podcast, I have a rather deep resonant voice and that creates bass frequencies that bounce all over the place. So I have to go to great lengths to tame those frequencies, but it doesn't take a lot. Many, many voice actors and actresses work in walk-in closets where the clothes act as absorbing material. Or if voice actors are on the road doing a gig from a hotel room, sometimes they'll pull the covers over their heads and, <laughs> and, and, and read under the, under the sheets, literally. Or, you know, they'll, they'll pull in extra bedding or, or, or whatever. Uh, it, it doesn't take a lot. As long as you have a good studio setup, whether that's something like what I have, or a whisper room, which costs six or $7,000, or just a walk-in closet. It has to be a quiet space. It has to be uh, acoustically well-treated, and it has to make you sound like you. Again, quoting Dan Leonard, the home studio master, not to make you sound great, but to make you sound like you. I love that advice. So I'm going to, I have one final question for you. And it's a question I ask every single person that comes on the show, but what is something that you are learning right now? Something that I'm learning right now. Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm working, as I say, I just started working with Mark Cashman, uh, the renowned voiceover coach. Uh, and certainly you, you mentioned new voice actors. He's someone that, that I would Google, someone whose advice and counsel I would seek. Uh, one thing that he talks about is finding the musicality in the script. Uh, mm -hmm. He comes from a music background. And I, we, we were chatting before our last session. And I said, Mark, have you ever known of voice actors who have pursued singing and music as a way of improving their voice acting? And he said, absolutely. So I'm thinking about actually, I haven't made a commitment to it yet, but maybe pursuing singing lessons. I can't sing a lick. I can break glass trying to sing. But that musicality is baked into a lot of the scripts that we read. Even dry e-learning, you can find musicality in that. So that's something I'm learning uh, as I go in my coaching with Mark. As I read scripts, I look at it, and I, of course, do the, the usual rudiments of trying to determine who am I talking to, who am I, but is there a certain amount of musicality there that I can tap into? I'm not talking, you know, jazz hands here, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, but just, a, you know, maybe a little variety, a little slower here, a little faster there, a little higher pitch. All these things help to tap into the, all these things weigh large in the human scale, even though it's a small 30 second spot or whatever it is. So finding the musicality, that's my other, that. that's my other tip to all the, the folks who, who narrate e-learning in house, find the musicality. They're like, what does that mean? So we'll hear, <laughs> so we, everyone heard it here first that you are going to be a, a new recording artist. So you'll drop an album <laughs> the next year. We'll be, you'll come back. You'll promote your, uh, your Christmas album on, on next year's podcast. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not talking about literally singing, but, but just, no, you know, the, the, you know, uh, there, there, there is, uh, it's, it's kind of like the same inspiration that songwriters get. Uh, yeah. I, I've worked with and spoken with professional uh, copywriters and, you know, the inspiration comes about the same way. And there's something that they're, 
trying to express and there's an audience they're trying to connect with and they're not just arbitrarily picking words out of a hat. And so that's something that you have to tap into using the whole arsenal of, of emotions and, and yeah, music is a, a part of that. Yeah, like intentional creativity. Right? So how can I be intentional about it and until that creative space? I think that's really fantastic. So Dan, where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about your services? We have a lot of L&D folks who are listening to this that are probably realizing right now that they need to hire you to do their e-learning. So where can they find you, hear your demos, all that fun stuff? Danvoice.com, D-A-N-V-O-I-C-E is my website where you can go and listen to my demos and my, my video gallery that I have of completed projects for satisfied clients. I've, one thing I would say about my website that's a little different, normally voice actor websites tend to sort of lay out their demos. Here's my narration demo. Here's my e-learning demo. Here's my commercial. If you kind of scroll down my page where my demos are, I have a whole bunch of different things. And I've tried to arrange them more around emotions and scenarios. Like here's my church demo. Here's my, you know, trucker demo. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get away from this industry, you know, this agency mindset of you must have a commercial demo or an e-learning demo. I'm rambling a bit there, but that's what they'll see when they go to my website. And certainly I would invite them to go there and check it out and be very, very glad to connect with any and all of your listeners. It would be a great pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. I, like I said, I've been in, in L&D for a long time. And some of the things that we talked about today opened my eyes to things I could have done differently, done better. And that I now being in the coaching space that I can advise people on to, to reach more people and, and utilize the power of voice acting. So thank you so much for spending more time with me. You know, we are, like I said, already had uh, me on your podcast and I really appreciate this and uh, all you're doing for the e-learning community and the L&D community and, and creating those relationships within it, because I think this is a really, I know this is a really powerful tool that we're not utilizing enough. And I hope moving forward, people start to use it. Well, thank you again, Sarah. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, have a good, very good rapport with you. And it's always fun catching up. Thanks again for doing my podcast. And I, again, I, I hope that I can reach your audience in a meaningful way. And, uh, and I hope that I've imparted some wisdom and a little bit of humor and levity as we've, as we've gone along. But thank you again. It meant a lot to me to get invited here. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools, as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.